0: Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. chapter number 10, I want to read the first six verses, or maybe just five, five verses, and then we'll skip down to verse 27 and read it. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Then he putteth forth his own sheep, and he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers." Scripture says, for they know his voice. And then it said, and a stranger will they not follow. But flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. And then verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I want to simply use as a subject tonight... The voice of God. The voice of God. I I want to be aware of the voice of God. I want to be able to hear the voice of God. And I want Him to be able to continually speak to me in my life. How about you? How many recognizes the importance of that? I said, how many recognizes the importance of God being able to speak to you? (laughs) Praise the Lord. You know, there's some times and circumstances and seasons of our lives when we need Him to speak to us more than others, I suppose, and we need answers, and we're pressed on every side, and maybe we're feeling uh, closed in a little bit, and we need God to come through, we need God to speak to us, and I have found that if we have a habit of being sensitive to Him, That when those seasons and times comes, it's a whole lot easier to get an answer rather than, um, you know, being in a place where I have to say, Well, God, I haven't been praying like I need to, or I haven't been seeking you like I need to, haven't been doing right on my end of the bargain, and then need him to speak to me. But if I've been being consistent and praying and seeking God, then there is a confidence that I can have that God will speak to me Amen. The voice of God. Let's pray for His anointing the remainder of our service tonight. Jesus, we do need You, God. We need You in this house to speak to us and to help us. Your Word, God, let it come alive to Your people. Bless, God, minister and work in this place. Do Your will, I pray, God, and feed every hungry heart that is gathered here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Could you give one more praise unto the Lord before you're seated? Thank you so much, and you may be seated. Since each of us are in an ongoing process of becoming, developing, and maturing as Christians in our walk with God, we are constantly honing our ability to be able to hear from God. And God does speak to us in many different ways. How many would attest to that, that God doesn't necessarily just have one method that he speaks to us? I suppose in some ways it would make it a whole lot simpler if, if he spoke to all of us all the time in an audible voice, and we could just hear his voice thundering from heaven, telling us what to do at any given time that we need him to. But this is a walk of faith, and I think that that would take away from that, that we do walk with God by faith, and we learn how to trust him, and we have to constantly hone our ability to be able to hear from God Therefore, it's imperative that we be able to recognize his voice, whatever method and whatever way that he's using at that particular time to speak to us. And I think that one of the ways that we do that, of course, is through being sensitive to the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, being able to identify that that God is in this and that God is speaking through this, that God is... uh, is trying to reveal something to me, get a message across to me. And uh, it, it could be through something that happens. It could be through various different things that we're going to get into tonight. But I have found, let me say this at the outset, that in whatever way that God has spoken to you in the past, talking about in your personal walk with Him outside of some of the normal ways that He speaks to us, and ways that he chooses probably predominantly to speak to us, outside of those areas, in your personal walk, and your day-to-day walk, whatever way that he has spoke to you in the past, you need to mark that, and you need to realize that it may be that this is the way that God gets my attention, the way God speaks to me, and I want to be sensitive to that in the future. And I hope you understand where I'm coming from. Because there are so many voices. matter of fact, the Apostle Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians to the Corinthian church. He said there's many voices and none without significance. And they're introducing many things that are contrary to the will of God, such as new doctrines, and I don't know if that's really an appropriate way to say it, Uh, probably more appropriately, false doctrines. Because really, I have found a lot of things that we think in our generation is new things is really recycled things that come back around. And uh, it's just uh, an old thing that the devil is using in a new way, if I could say it that way. And so, uh, false doctrine, Uh, there's many voices that come around and, and try to speak. It wasn't very long ago, a few decades ago, that that uh, there was the latter movement, which was uh, sort of like uh, the charismatic movement is today, or especially like it was a few years ago. And so you see where that just kind of recycled. It it came back around again. New title on it, new name, uh, but really the same spirit behind it. And then there's confusion that those voices try to bring into the church at times, which the Scripture clearly indicates that God is not the author of confusion. So anytime there's confusion or disorder, uh, you can recognize immediately that this is not of God. And if there's confusion, whether or not it lines up to the word of the Lord, you can know with certainty that this is not of God. Those voices try to bring discord and deception. And you know the spirit of deception, if it was not alluring, it would not be able to deceive anybody. So we know just by the nature of the word, and and it's used many times in the scripture, deception or deceive. And not to be deceived. We see that many times, that warning in the word of God. If it was not alluring, if it was not attractive, if it was not something that our flesh would find appealing or it wouldn't be something that we would be drawn to, that word deception would not be used if it was just automatically recognizable that this is not of God, it's a deterrent to us and and we don't want anything to do with it. But you know, the devil is crafty. Uh, The devil uh, uses all kinds of forms to dress up things and try to deceive You understand that he wants, once you came to this truth, once you received a revelation of this truth, and you began to learn what it is through the Scripture to live for God, he set out immediately. The Bible said we have an adversary, the devil, that goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so he sets out immediately to try to deceive and completely destroy as many as possible that are in in their walk with God, trying and endeavoring to live for the Lord. And people can sincerely be led astray, sincerely be led off in a path that is not of God. I, I believe with all my heart there's a lot of people following certain ministries and certain things that are very... Uh, Powerful with their personality and their presentation. And they're sincere about their attempts to live for God and follow uh, the Lord. And, 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 and in many ways, God has honored what faith they have and what sincerity they have. But it is possible to be sincerely wrong. It is possible to, to uh, be led astray and to be deceived. And so we must always be on guard against that. And that's why discernment is so important to you. Out of all the nine gifts of the Spirit that you ought to pray for, you have in the Holy Ghost, you, you, are, you can receive, you can be used, you can be uh, directed in any nine of these gifts of the Spirit as they're needed. I don't believe that, that those gifts are resident necessarily, but I believe that they work through the auspices of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, and when we are sensitive to the Holy Ghost, as needed, those spirit, uh, nine gifts of the Spirit can be utilized in our lives. And you are a candidate to be used in any of the nine gifts of the Spirit. Don't let the devil sell you short in that area because maybe you, you say, well, I'm not probably spiritual enough. I think that the devil beats people up a lot of times in that way and tries to convince them that I can't be used of God in that area but I'm telling you, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you're endeavoring to walk with God and be obedient to His Word, you can be used in the gifts of the Spirit. And it's my prayer that when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit operating in this church, of course, we want it, as the Scripture said, with decency and order, and we want it to align to the Word of God. And that's why we we study it and and try to know the Word of God as it pertains even to the gifts of the Spirit. We Read through there in 1 Corinthians. Uh, uh, You find out a lot about it in in chapters like uh, chapter 12. And then in chapter 14, it's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul is is, um, setting things in order when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. And when we follow those patterns, I think it's a very needed thing. And something that we should not shy away from. And you need to pray that God would use you. When that time comes, if he so chooses to, the Bible talks about desiring the best gifts. Amen. So there's nothing wrong with desiring to be used of God in that way. And it's just been an observation of mine, not that God does not use preachers in the gifts of the Spirit, obviously He does, but a lot of times when it comes to tongues and interpretation. A lot of times God uses that gift to confirm what the preacher has already been preaching or teaching from the pulpit. So uh, many times it, it, it needs to flow, if I could say it this way, from the congregation, those people in the congregation that are sensitive to the Lord. God maybe wants to confirm something that's already been stated because the Bible does say in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let all things be established. And so when the Lord speaks through the method of tongues and interpretation after the preachers preached or maybe it's not even in that same church service but there's been a theme and a thread that's been going on in the church lately and and god confirms that by uh tongues and interpretation we need to be open to that and it needs to be more than just one or two hello amen so that cannot that cannot really happen if there's not others that are sensitive to it. And might I say this very carefully, and in the Holy Ghost I want to say this, because this has really been on my heart, I've been praying about this, but that if you are one of those that are frequently used, could I say that you should pray about others having the opportunity to be used, and you should pray that God would speak to them and give opportunity for God to speak to them in that way. Amen, And God to lead them into it. Because otherwise, if you're the first one, <laughs> I know that we're talking about something very spiritual here. And I'm trying not to b- use layman terms too loosely. But if you're the first one on the draw all the time, when it comes to that, they'll never have the opportunity. Amen? And so, and I've seen that. And I'm just, again, uh, this has just been my study of it, my observation of it. I'm not, I'm not uh, heard anybody else address it just like that and but I'm just feeling led to say something about it in the Holy Ghost here tonight because this is an important thing and I want to see it happen here and I want to see it happen as frequent as God wants it to happen but I want it to happen the right way. Amen and decency and in order. So uh, I'm asking us to be sensitive to that and pray that God would help us and and of course, uh, God uses this to confirm things to us. And we have to be careful. Uh, it doesn't matter how mature you are in your relationship with God, how far along, how many years you got behind you, you have to be careful every step of the way that you're not deceived. Because a lot of times, God uh, using a person and anointing a person, the devil notices this and you've heard me say this before he notices I'm not going to get them to just dis- oh, go out and out and out sin per se but if I can get them to think they're super spiritual and if I can get them deceived and say seeing something they think that they see something nobody else does in the scripture or they got some corner on the market revelation here I'm going to tell you there is no such thing as a corner on the market revelation when it comes to the word of God. The Bible says it this way. That it is of no private interpretation. Is that what it says? But you know. I've seen people get lifted up. And, and, and I'm not saying that at all here. Because I don't recognize anybody that feels that way here. But I'm just telling you. You have to be careful. Uh, listening to people out there. That think they have some kind of understanding. And they pat you on the head. And they say you know what. But I understand this a whole lot better And that's how people dismiss whole books of the Bible sometimes, and they'll say things like this, well, uh, you know, that was written for that culture and that time, and it really doesn't apply to us today. Negating the Word of God completely, and if you ever start down that track, and you ever get a spirit of a penknife, and you start cutting things out of the Word of God, there's no place to stop. I said there's no place for that type of person to ever stop. They just keep on cutting until there's nothing left. Amen. Amen. So we've got to take the whole counsel of God. And we've got to take all Scripture. And the Bible said that all Scripture was given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So every bit of it's profitable to us. And we just have to know through the help of the Holy Ghost how it's interpreted. Can you say praise the Lord? And somebody that does not have the Holy Ghost, they, they may have some understanding about history concerning the Scripture. They, they may be able to uh, give some, some uh, points on it that, that sound pretty good. But really, really getting the message of this, if you don't have the Holy Ghost because this is inspired of God, it's going to be a hard, hard, difficult time for you to be able to completely understand all that God wants you to understand from it. Be like me trying to read Spanish. My mother-in-law, she, she's she been here the last several days, and she's got a little Spanish Bible she reads at the house all the time. And, uh, you know, I'd like to, but as much as I'd like to, I could probably only pick out just a few words. And that would probably be, uh, you know, Acts 2.38 and stuff like that that I already know, and I'd be able to pick those those words out and because it's written in Spanish, well, a person that tries and attempts to, to interpret Scripture and things from the perspective of teaching you and telling you what you need to do, yet they don't have the Holy Ghost themselves, well, you must be careful of that because they're not fully going to be able to interpret the Word of God like it needs to be interpreted to you. Can you say praise the Lord? That's why God anoints people and calls people to do this job. Amen. And that's why there's such a heavy responsibility on people that are called to do this job. Do you realize as a pastor that I'm going to have to give an account for the things that I preach and the things I don't preach around here? Amen. I'm going to have to give an account. And that's a pretty heavy responsibility. And every once in a while that shakes me up. matter of fact, every time I approach this desk, I'm reminded of it. But... uh, that is a heavy, heavy responsibility, and so I don't want to be guilty of uh, not giving the whole counsel of God. I wanna, I wanna know this book. I wanna, I wanna get my nose in this book. So the devil is always—he's setting out to deceive people, and he, he he tries many ways to do that. And I'm gonna talk about that for a little bit, and. Paul said it to the church at Galatia. This church, he had there was Judaizers that were in the area trying to lead people back underneath the law. He had brought them under this new covenant taught them Jesus Christ and the effects and the power of Calvary. Taught them the doctrine, the apostolic doctrine of repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Taught them the doctrine of grace and they kept feeling the pressure to go back underneath the law and to live under the law and finally in desperation he said i've invested a lot he said i prayed until and i invested in you until christ be formed in you and he said now i want to ask you a question who hath bewitched you in other words who hath who hath deceived you that you would want to leave this the doctrine of Christ, and go back into the beggarly elements that he delivered you out of. Amen. You've got something so much better. And I've said this a lot, but let me just say it again and underscore it and highlight it. And that is that you can come from anything to this, but you can't go from this to anything else. Because when you got to this, you've got what you need to be saved. Hallelujah. You are complete you are fulfilled. And you'll never be satisfied with any substitute. Praise God. And so we want to be careful that we're not deceived. But again, he's going to try to destroy your confidence and tempt you to deviate from the truth. But 2 Peter, if they'll put that up on the board, 2 Peter chapter number 2, verses 1 through 3. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily or privately shall bring in damnable heresies or false doctrine, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not in other words there's going to be swift recompense for those that that Cause people and lead people astray. That again is why I feel the heavy burden and responsibility of preaching the truth and telling you right and correctly. Praise the Lord. And then Paul's warning in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verses 3 through 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I believe we are living in that time. But after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Fables are lies. Maybe lies that are dressed up to to, uh, be appealing or attractive or a good story, but they're no less lies. They're fiction. There's no truth in it. And the Bible says this concerning the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? free. Praise God. That's how powerful truth is. It can make you free. It can sever the chains off of you. It can deliver you from bondage. It can take away the hindrances and the limits on your life. That's how powerful truth is. Praise God. But we've got to be careful that we're not deceived. In Greek mythology, Homer wrote a story and, and uh, he had a character, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, Odysseus, and uh, you've heard the story about the island of the Sirens, and how that, it was this little island that had a rocky coastline, it was very dangerous and treacherous for ships to go by or too near to that island, and so uh, they would sail by, but these Siren women there on that island had a very enchanting a song that they would play and sing, and sailors would be lured to go to the island because this was so enchanting to them, and they would inevitably be destroyed on the rocks of that coast. Their ships would be sank, and they would die at sea attempting to get there so that they could go to where this song was, this attraction was. And Odysseus had heard this tale and this rumor about this, and I'm just kind of surmising this story or, or, or condensing this story. And, and uh, so anyway, he, he, uh, he's traveling by and he, he tells his sailors, he said, now I want you to, I, I'm going to heat some wax up and we're going to pour it in your ears so that you can't hear. And he said, we're gonna, I want to hear this song. I've heard so much about it and how it's caused so many people shipwreck and destroyed so many people's lives. I, I, I want to hear the song, I certainly don't want to lose my life because of it, so I'm, I want you to tie me to the mast of the ship and make it secure, and he said, you fellas sell on by, no matter how good the singing is, no matter how attractive and manipulating the melody is, to me, you don't obey any of my commands when we get within uh, earshot of that island, no matter what I say. And how much I beg you, you keep me tied to the mast, and you keep on sailing by because that's going to be our only hope. If you untie me uh, and uh, if you allow and obey my orders, then we'll all be doomed. And so sure enough, when they got within earshot of the island, there was that song that could be heard out across the waters and it was very appealing. and, And he began to beg them to let him free and to untie him. And uh, of course, uh, they followed his orders of keeping him tied. But uh, I thought how that there is a siren song that is going forth. There's a siren uh, melody that is in our world today that is endeavoring to attract people. And we've got to stay tied to this truth. The Bible said receiving a love for the truth is the only way, the only inoculation against believing deception, believing a lie, and being damned. I don't want to believe one of these fables. I want to be able to hear the voice of God and know the voice of God. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. Let's clap our hands to Him. So this is why it's vital that you, you develop an acuteness and a sensitivity and an ability to hear the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And then he went on to say, and a stranger they will not follow. Praise the Lord. stranger means an alien or a foreigner or unvalidated. It means something unusual. It means something that is not uh, proved in this particular context. A stranger's voice, uh, the devil speaks, and he influences others to speak for him many times. Can you say amen to that? Uh, have you ever, have you ever, maybe been a little discouraged and? maybe was going through a trial and came in contact with somebody it seemed like it was just a missile sent and I'm not talking about people in the church hopefully not in the church but almost like a missile sent from the devil to I mean it was like pinpointed on you you were the target and they come along at the just the right time to to say words to try to push you further down the path of discouragement or push you on down the path of some of the thoughts that you had in your mind about giving up or making a bad decision. Those are people that, that the devil is using and speaking through because as sure as God can speak through somebody, the enemy can also speak through people. And I'm going to prove it to you. First Kings chapter number 13, one of the most bizarre stories in and you don't have to go out to the bookstore and get any fictional books and to, to be intrigued or uh, to be totally taken aback by by some story. I'm going to tell you the Word of God has got some of the most intriguing stories that you could ever read. And this is one of them. In 1 Kings 13, I've read this several times and shake uh, shake my head at it. God dealt with a young prophet to go down and to curse the altars of King Jeroboam. Jeroboam when he became king, he was so afraid that the people... He was uh, the ruler of the north, the ruler of, of uh, Israel, the ten tribes that went with Israel. And so he was so afraid that they would go back under the rule of Judah and want to go back to Jerusalem to worship because they all knew that that was the place of worship that had been established by David himself. And so he didn't want them to go back there. And he tried to figure out a way. He said, well... I'll make it more convenient for them. And I'll put, a, I'll put an altar in Dan and I'll put one in Bethel. And they won't have to travel all the way to Jerusalem to do their worshiping. But they can just go there and it'll be more convenient. Knowing that the convenience of it would appeal to, to people's flesh. I'm going to tell you, anytime somebody comes along or anyone uh, starts to introduce an idea that is different than what we have done as far as doctrine consecration, commitment, any of those things are concerned and they come with the reasoning that this is so much easier to do it this way you can rest assured that that's probably not of God that's a good indicator your ears ought to perk up, your senses ought to be, be spiked at that moment, you ought to realize hey, there's something happening here I, I, got, I got a detection on the radar that the devil's trying to destroy me He's trying to deceive me with this. Amen? And and so, uh, you know, you can just go down here and worship. I'm going to create one here in, in Bethel and one at Dan. And so this prophet was sent to curse the altar of Jeroboam. And he went and did so. And the Lord also spoke to him and said... And there were some miraculous things that took place as a result of this, and you can read about that. But for the sake of time, I'll move on. The Lord told him, said, don't eat, don't drink water, don't stay here, don't even return the same way you came. You just get out of here. Go home. And he didn't do it. First, the king tried to lure him to come with him because of the miracles that had taken place that he saw. And he realized, hey, the hand of God's on this fella." And he tries to get in, he said, no, 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 the Lord spoke to me and I'm not to do this. But notice what he did give in to. As he was going on his way, there was an older man that came up to him. He said, and I too am a prophet. If I couldn't get you an appeal to you through the political end of things and through the uh, governmental ways of putting pressure on you then I'll try to make myself uh, on equal ground or spiritual and I'll try a spiritual deception on you. I too am a prophet. Of course he was a false prophet in this context and so scripture tells us that you know he gave in to it. I mean he was a young man, this is an elder man he said, I'm a prophet. I think you need to come in, eat with me, and, and you need to spend some time here with me. You can go home later on. You're going to famish. If you, if you don't do this, you're going to fall out somewhere along your journey. I mean, why could God feel bad at you? I mean, for coming in and having a little fellowship with me, an elder. And nevertheless, the Scripture says that as soon as, and this is where the bizarre part of the story, uh, this is where it gets strange he, he said as soon as he gave in to it, and as soon as he did what the old man said, the old man said, you shouldn't have done this. And the Scripture says that as he was traveling on his donkey, that there was a lion that was in the way that slew him and, and uh, left him there, and they found his body there because he was disobedient. So I'm just telling you, you have to be careful the voice that you listen to. Praise God. Don't be deceived. I said, don't be deceived. And then Job, in the midst of his trial, if he ever needed a friend, he needed a friend to come encourage, and encourage him and, and lift him up and pull him up. And and they come and ridiculed him. And I suppose that that was part of the trial that he was going through. And then his wife made a suggestion. She said, why don't you just curse God and die. And had Job done that, he would have never seen the victory and the triumph of coming out of that trial. And we would never would have had the great conclusion and story, and the testimony to talk about that Job has. But Job recognized, "Hey, you're not speaking right right now, Amen. I, I love you, but you're not speaking right right now, and I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to charge God foolishly." God is a God that is going to hold his integrity, and everything's going to be okay if I remain faithful to him. And though I don't see him right now, I know that my Redeemer lives. And in my flesh, I shall see God. Hallelujah. Praise God. But you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful which voice that you listen to, and it can be so subtle. What about in the garden when it all started? The devil, uh, in the form of a serpent, comes subtly. And spoke to Eve. And so charming he was. And the, and the thing that he used. Hath God said. If he could just get us to question the Word of God. Which is forever settled, the Scripture says. I'm going to tell you. Anybody, any, anyone, anything they say to you. If it doesn't line up to this book right here. It doesn't amount to much. Because this is forever settled. This is the Word of God. Uh, I was reading today a, a little story. It's very interesting. Uh, 1974. That's taking it back a ways. I, I, w- I don't remember this, but I was alive, barely. 1974. Uh, Muhammad Ali had been the the champion, and then he had been taken out by Joe Frazier prior to this, and. Then there was a new guy that came on the scene. Matter of fact, I think he lives in Texas now. And if he's still alive, I don't know. I haven't kept up with it. But, but George Foreman came on the scene. He was like 6'3", 220 pounds, muscular and very powerful. And he put Joe Frazier down, and then he put another fellow that was a, a, a rival, a, a man that was considered to be a very good boxer at the time, he put him down and and then they they just begin to build up now maybe maybe we need maybe Ali is going to make a, a comeback and they got all this build up and you might remember it as being the rumble in the jungle they had the thriller from Manila and and I, all the promotional things that they did back then but this was the rumble in the jungle it was in Africa where they were going to have this fight and the room that they were in the center that they were going to have it in was pretty hot and humid in there. I think 85 to 90 degrees in, in inside where they were boxing, and and uh, that might seem pretty good right now, but it, <laughs> but it it didn't seem it didn't seem good if you're in there for several rounds of fighting, and it looked like that Ali was just taking a beating from what I read. Matter of fact. Uh, the strong punches of George Foreman at one point he said later that his whole side was numb because of just taking the licks and the beating and uh, uh, they noticed the people that was sitting right up on the front there they noticed that that uh, when when they would kind of get up there close to one another that Ali was whispering something uh to George Foreman and uh matter of fact, like in the first round, he went back to his side of the ring, and he didn't ever even sit down. He just stood over there in the corner, didn't take a rest. And so this man uh, realized, I can't beat George Foreman toe-to-toe. He's more powerful. He's got, I I suppose, a a, a stronger. He's more uh, capable in many ways than I am, but I'm going to have to beat him psychologically. If I'm going to beat him, I'm going to have to get it in his head. And so he would whisper little things to him. And, uh, uh, you know, somebody's, somebody's whispering things and you're giving them everything you got. And, and then they're whispering, oh, that ain't, that ain't nothing. That didn't hurt. Uh, and really they're lying, but, but he's telling "Oh, that, is that all you got, George, you know, and stuff like that. I don't know exactly what he said, but that just brought it out more. And he literally, in eight rounds, wore himself out trying to take him down. And then, at the opportune time when he could barely hold his arms up, Ali comes in and knocks him out flat on the canvas. And they attribute it to those little whispers and that little voice of of, of taunting him throughout the fight, the reason why he used up his energies and he used up all of his strength in the early rounds and did not fight a strategic fight and he therefore didn't win. Can I tell you that the devil will try to get us wasting our energy on a whole lot of things and get us distracted from the place where we need to be in God. Place of prayer, the place of coming back to the word of the Lord and getting our nose in the Word of the Lord and studying the Word of the Lord. He'll, he'll do whatever He can to keep you away from it. So you've got to be mindful of that. You've got to be aware of that. It's vital that I know the will of God. Amen. And the only way I can know the will of God is to know the voice of God. And He said His sheep know His voice. So how, how do I hone my spiritual senses, my spiritual hearing? The Bible said, He that hath an ear, let him hear. So how do I hone that hearing? Of course, it goes without saying being close to God. I can hear a lot better somebody if I'm, if I'm close proximity to him. of course. And if you're close to God, you're within earshot where He can speak to you. But lukewarmness and carnality and worldliness and... and uh, maybe a bad attitude or bad spirit can come between me and God and it obstructs him being able to speak to me and being able to talk to me. And and so every once in a while we've got to clear out all the obstructions, right? Every once in a while we've got to say, God, I want all those things to be removed because I don't want you to not be able to speak to me because it is vital that I be saved. The only way I can be saved is to have a clear path where you can speak to me. That's why it's so important that you not get awed in your heart against the pulpit, against the preacher, because this is God's primary way of speaking to you. And, if, and if, he lets, if you let anything get in there, well, that preacher, he's just kind of taking me on or he's just preaching to me, and every time I come to church, you, you, well, you know, you ought not feel that way because preachers that are really worth their salt, they're not up trying to take personal jabs at anybody, but they are preaching the Word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Or uh, some, some decision or choice or whatever's made and I don't agree with it and I don't like it and whatever. But I'm going to tell you, the devil can use those little things that seems so you seem so justified in to get all in your heart against the pulpit or between you, something between you and the pulpit. And it obstructs your hearing so that you can't hear what the preacher's saying. Amen praise God what gives him the right to say that well he does have an anointing and he does have a call and he does have a position that God has placed him in and he is responsible to God and God's his boss and we are not that's just the bottom line so we have to keep ourselves open to the preaching of the word of God and not only the pastor but we got to keep ourselves open to men of God that come through here that preach because they are also used to perfect us that's the Bible. The Bible said that he gave the fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints. Amen. So we, we need it. We've got to have it. We've got to keep our ears open to it. We've got to stay sensitive to it. And again, preaching is one of those things that God is going to use to speak to me. So I've got to stay close. I've got to stay within earshot. I got to pray I got to fast at times I, I got to keep all the things removed out of the way so I can hear from him I got to come and and I've got to get this flesh taken care of so that I can hear from him that really brings me to my next point since our will is often in conflict with his will it's important that our will be submitted to God's will and god God can speak to me when i'm open to him speaking to me. If I'm a closed book, the Holy Ghost is a gentleman. It's not going to press the door open. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And that's the challenge. The challenge that God has is getting us to open up. The challenge that God has, amen, he's not limited in any way in his his power. He's not insufficient in any way. He, He doesn't have any deficiencies at all. In fact, the only thing that stands in the way of God is a heart that is closed. Uh, a, a, a person that has closed themselves off by their own self-will. That's the one thing that he can't transcend. That's the one thing that he can't transpass. That trespass. That's the one thing that he, he's not going to press the door open and shove his way in. You've got to open up to him. Amen. So I've got to continue to pray about that. Keep my heart open to God to the moving of His Spirit. What's some of the methods that God uses to speak to us? Of course, He speaks to us through His Word. And that's why we need a relationship with our Bible. Amen. I don't, uh, I, I don't care how you read the Scripture, whether it's on an iPad, iPhone, or a good old-fashioned way right here. I prefer that. I do have the Bible on an iPad. When I travel, sometimes I use an iPad uh, to do that uh, because if I don't, I can't, I've can't. got to pay more money to get those, uh, that luggage through there. So I, I prefer to use that iPad rather than take a whole library with me. But anyway, uh, whatever methods you use, I'm just encouraging you to have a relationship with your Bible. Because this is the only, really the only book. There's been a lot of other good books written about the Bible and about the things of God that are good and they are uh, wholesome and they are uh, uh, aids to our walk with God and strength to our walk with God. But this is really the only book that God left us. I said this is the only thing that really God left us that is tangible that we need to get a hold of. And, and some people, this is the only book God left has left us and some folks don't read it. And that's a shame. We need to get in the Word of God and understand the Word of God. Don't just take other people's uh, opinions and don't just take other people's Word for it. Get in the Word yourself because the Word is without error. The Word is infallible. Amen. And it is the final authority on every subject when it comes to our relationship with God. You believe that? Amen. And then he uses, of course, the preaching again. He uses anointed people of God. He uses the, the pastor primarily to teach and Preach to us the word of the Lord. And then he uses other ministers. And he may even use other people. Senior saints of God. I'm not saying that in terms of age. I'm talking about experience. That can come along and be a help to you. An encouragement to you. And give you some direction. And and I think we ought to always respect. uh, People that have experience in living for God. And and, uh, take that into account. Uh, It was Eli that was able to help Samuel to detect that that God's speaking to me. Amen. God is is the one that's waking me up. He's the one that's calling my name. And then God can speak directly to us. We see several examples in the word of the Lord, Abraham at Mesopotamia. And uh, this is uh, spoken about in the word of God in Acts 7. And then Moses at the burning bush where he took off his sandals. He was standing on holy ground, Exodus 3. And then of course, Balaam in Numbers 22. Those are places where God and there's more where God spoke directly to somebody. God does that, and He's still able to do that. I said He's still able to do. It. I'll never forget Brother Beckton years ago talking about how he was in a place, a sanctuary, I believe, praying, and he needed God to really speak to him about something. And he said, I heard it so distinct and so clear. He said, the Lord spoke my name, Cleveland, Cleveland. And he said, I I just stopped and said, yes, Lord. You're trying to speak to me. I want to listen. I want to hear what you have to say. God's able to speak to people directly. And then, and I've already kind of covered this, the gifts of the Spirit prophecy He's able to use tongues and interpretation. He's able to use. He's able to give a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. Uh, the discernment of spirit is one of the gifts of the spirit that he uses to speak to us. And if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you might get a check about something. It may not be no more than that. Uh, just a, really an unsettledness about something. I don't feel peace about. I don't feel like I ought to follow through with this. I don't feel like I ought to make this decision. I don't even know why. It doesn't even seem like on the surface there's anything wrong with it. But that's the Holy Ghost trying to give you a warning. And I'm going to tell you, if you trample over that, it's going to be more difficult for you to be able to receive that in the future. And God, it seems like, uh, will not speak to us if we continue to trample over the areas that He is trying to speak to us in. It'll be harder to hear from Him again. So it's important that we be able to hear that, that voice of God, and it can be so easily grieved. The Bible said, for us to grieve not the Spirit of God. So we've got to be careful that we don't grieve the Holy Ghost. We can grieve him by not being obedient to him. We can grieve him by not responding to him. We can grieve him by not doing what he asks us to do. I tried to warn you, I tried to talk to you, I tried to deal with you. I I I sent a preacher to preach about that. and you didn't see yourself in it. Maybe, maybe it was like David, who the preacher is drawing his picture, and he says, whoever that man is, he said, what do you mean whoever that man is? You're the man. We've got to be able to see ourselves. Because this book is a mirror, the Bible says, and when we hold it up, we ought not be looking at it as, oh yeah, I see them over there. Yeah. Or, or out here like, this. I can see you, and you, and you, and you, but I don't ever look and see myself. It's important that I'm not deflecting or reflecting to somebody else, but I'm looking at myself and examining myself. Amen. We don't take our mirrors out and and show our relatives, "Hey, look at look here." We take our picture our picture books out and say, "Here's my grandkids and here's my kids and here's," or we used to. Now we take our iPhones out. And we can go through that and show them pictures that way. But it would be all right for you all to laugh just a little bit. It wouldn't offend me in the least. Praise God. But anyhow, uh, you know, just little things like that that we, we sometimes don't acknowledge and we don't see ourselves in it. The picture is painted. God was trying to get our attention. God was trying to deal with us. God was trying to help us. And then, uh, dreams and visions. Now, make sure that it wasn't the result of too much pepperoni and, and uh, jalapenos or whatever, or maybe anchovies. But God did use, and we see Solomon, Joseph, uh, Jesus' foster father that was led of the Lord and directed by dream to go down to Egypt with Jesus and spare his life and then Pilate's wife was dealt with and, and uh, Simon Peter when it came to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10 was seen a vision of this uh, sheet with four footed beast on it and God used that to tell him that it was okay to go down there and preach to those Gentiles the apostle Paul in Acts 18 so he uses dreams and visions and then he also uses impression. And this is something in our time, being full of the Holy Ghost. This is, I think, my own personal opinion. This is one of the things that we have to hone and we need to be sensitive to that God uses to speak to us. Again, that gentle impression. We, we, want, we want him to ride it in the sky. We want it to be a big explosion. But the prophet said he looked out there and he couldn't see it when the rocks were being torn. And he couldn't see it when there was when there was rain and there was thunders and thundering and there was lightning. But he said there was, if I just kept waiting, there was a still small voice that spoke. So sometimes this is something we really have to be sensitive to, to hear the voice of God and that gentle nudge and that gentle in, impression that we get. Amen. That feeling that we get. A lot of times when it's a a thing that God is is directing us in. We'll feel a peace. And the Bible said to follow peace. We'll feel a peace about it. Praise the Lord. And if you feel feel unsettled, you feel like this is not right, then you, you feel reservations about it. Maybe that's the Holy Ghost trying to warn you Maybe you don't need to sign on to that. Maybe you don't need to get all involved in that. Maybe you don't need to be a part of that. Maybe that's not the direction of the choice that you need to make. you gotta, you got to follow that nudge in the Holy Ghost. I want God to be able to speak to me in that most gentle impression and me be able to feel it. I want to be able to feel, as it were, just the brush of, of his spirit and be able to go after that Follow out when God's moving in a church service, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and and be sensitive to the Spirit of God and just follow after it and flow after it. Amen. The Spirit will lead us, the Bible said. Matter of fact, it said, They that are led of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. God wants to direct us, God's got a path that He wants for us to take. He said, He'll order our steps. He'll order our steps. Amen. We don't have to worry. If we're following after God and being obedient to God, the next footfall can be right in the will of God. Every one of them can be right in the will of God. We can have that confidence if we'll be sensitive to the Lord. And I'm sensitive through being in his presence, and I learn how he moves. and, And, you know, I've heard preachers, I've heard good friends of mine saying, you know, I don't know how to explain it, Brother Calhoun, but this is just how it happens to me when, when I feel to pray for somebody, and somebody is there in, in the service or whatever, I'm in the midst of somebody, may not even be in a service, may just be in a social setting where people of God are sitting around visiting and fellowshipping. He said, When the Lord begins to move on me to pray, he said, I can feel it. One guy actually told me that he could feel uh, like a, a sensation in his hand that he needed to pray. And, and this is not a Yahoo, a crazy guy. This is not somebody that would normally even talk like that. But uh, he said, that's just really how I feel. That's how God deals with me. I didn't make fun of that. God doesn't deal with me like that. I wish he did sometimes. I'd know a whole lot more about what I'm supposed to do if it was that strong. But But I have had God deal with me in certain ways, and I've noticed a sort of a pattern to it sometimes in the way that God moves and the way that God speaks to me. So if it happened once, I say, "Well, God, I know that you're able. You've done this in this particular way before, and I'm going to follow after that. I'm going to be led of that." And uh, you know, when when God speaks, be bold enough and confident enough. And the only way you can is to be willing to step out in faith on the times that God has spoke to you. And then you'll gain more confidence in that and more faith in that. Praise the Lord. Somebody said, well, how am I when, when the Holy Ghost gets to move and I, sometimes I feel like maybe only just a word. I've heard people say when they was going to give tongues and interpretation, they just had one word come to them and that was it. And they said, well, I no, it can't, can't be just one word. But they didn't have faith to speak that word, so they clammed up, and the message was not given through them, and they were unable to speak because God was initiating something there that they had to step out on. Does that make any sense? Praise the Lord. And if they would have spoke that word, I'm sure... If there were more to come, God would have allowed that just to begin to flow. But they had to go ahead and step out on it. So don't be afraid to step out on it. And don't be afraid to be corrected if it's wrong. Amen. you you got you to learn some way. You didn't learn how uh, uh, to do certain things without being corrected. And the Bible said the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Amen. That's why God put a pastor in the church to lead the church and if it doesn't feel right don't don't think that it's a personal thing when it we just say hey we need to wait on the Lord a little bit longer here and uh, no that uh, just just a minute hold hold yourself don't, don't 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 speak right now we're we're still waiting on the Lord and I've seen that done and people ought not get ruffled up in their spirit when that happens we ought to accept it but then again, we ought not say, oh my God, I'm not going to do that now, my Lord. Uh, you know, what if I get called down or something like that? That shouldn't be our attitude either. We should have enough faith that God is able to work through this. Then I want him to work through this and open up our hearts to him working. And if you'll know it, it'll be strong. But you've got to pray for these things and you've got to believe God for these things. Praise God. A lot of times God is speaking to us and we most common way is through his word and through the preaching of his word. Amen. Somebody says, well, I don't know why God won't just show me what he wants me to do. Well, he has in most cases. It's right there in his word, black and white. Amen. Just read it. It's there for you. Praise God. He's revealed it through his word. Aren't you thankful that God speaks and we can know his voice? Hallelujah. Why don't you lift up your hands one more time before we leave here tonight, and let's thank God. Let's give praise to God for His Word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I thank you, Lord. The voice of God. Well, this little old Bible study tonight. Remember Brother uh, Crawford Kuhn saying when he would preach meetings, he'd say, I'm going to give you a little Gina Bible study. And usually it would be something very good, more than just a little Bible study. I want to tell you the Word of God's good no matter Amen. when it is. Praise the Lord. Well, I'll just give you a little Bible study tonight, but hopefully we help somebody to understand that God is speaking and we need to be listening. Praise the Lord.